Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concourse ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news, the greatest views, and the biggest names in rolling thunder right, right in your ears. ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, a freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, and 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road Road Muscle Muscle Radio is on the air. We're back with show number 21. 21. Wow, man. Of Road Muscle Radio. Look at us. Got into two X's and an I. It's like the little, uh, you know, the white lines going... Going bass before you know it, we'll be uh, rolling on two wheels. Yeah, they look like <laughs> look like little dots. We'll be going right down the road. I can't wait. It's Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves along with Brett Hatfield. Here I be. Have you had a good week? Had an excellent week. Uh, got to go to the Mecham auction here in town. Oh, dude, that that looks so awesome. With our upcoming guest. Oh yeah, yeah. Coming up this hour, we've got Ped Watt. Of uh, what photography? Desi- what oh. design photography? Oh, it's so your cars. The the thing. Oh, I know. I know. It just it's disgusting how talented he is. Yeah, it, it it's annoying. It really is. Just to be honest, it's just bluntly annoying, and it just makes me want to take better pictures. And <laughs> quite honestly, and he's occasionally annoying himself. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> takes great pictures. And then coming up uh, after we talk with Ped Watt about photography, about how to take pictures of your own car, we're gonna. Uh, as God is my witness, I'm gonna get some info. I'm gonna get some tips out of him. He's he's a he's a tight muscle. Yeah. But we we also have Tim McCarthy coming up. Yes, with Hushmat and with Zycote. If you want your vehicle to be quieter or less hot or cooler, he's got this cool stuff, and we're gonna let him explain about it. And that stuff works great. I know, and I've I've looked at the pictures. I've never touched it before. I cannot wait to get my hands on because he's gonna bring in some samples. Because I want to see what that's about, and also the Zycote stuff that goes on your like hot parts of your engines and yes. makes them look cool. I might have a hot engine that needs some of that. Yeah, you do. She's real fine. Your four hundred nine. Yes, she is. Uh, four fifty one Fahrenheit. The uh, we've got all that coming up, but first we need to figure out what's been going on in the world. Get your brain in gear for what's going on. Time for what's news on Road Muscle Radio. Well, as you're well aware, because I whine about it all the time. <laughs> The collector car market has been softening. It's, yeah. We kind of hit a peak in late 2015 into early 2016. Some people will say it was September of 2016, but we've been steadily coming down. Now, we had such a meteoric run up to that. It. It was amazing. Wasn't it, it one of our first shows where I was talking about if if I had not just put a clamp fist on cash at the time in like 2007, 2008, oh, yeah. sweet mother of heaven. Yeah. I could have had two we could have big Mopars. Well, and you, you, you <laughs> for the price of one. You could have bought amazing stuff at oh, fire sale prices. Yeah. And nobody knew. I mean, everybody knew that the the value would come back, but All nobody right. knew that it would come storming back the way it did. And, you know, we're seeing things moving downward. Uh, Ferraris have come back down, but they really needed to because they had a me- meteoric rise. It was, it was huge. In fact, the Ferraris went up so fast, and we've talked about this before, uh, Lamborghini Countaches that were eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 cars within a, a few months 
were well into six figure range. Yeah. Everything went went uh, supernova so fast that it had to come back down. It really needed to. Well, they uh, they did. Uh, it was what from uh, this money dot co dot uk it's a uk site okay. but even in europe uh they've been watching and you know watching Haggerty and watching the uh, uh the auctions going on sotheby's etc what was it uh ferraris and uh 308 gtb down by 7.6 and 10.7 percent since april yeah but since april but that correction needed to happen because yeah. 308s you used to be able to shop all day long, thirty to forty grand, and they skipped from thirty to forty straight to hundred thousand dollar cars. Wow! Same car, car hadn't changed, but the price did. So seeing that correction coming back down, if you're coming down from, you know, they'd cooled off a little bit and they'd gotten down back into the eighties. If you're seeing a correction from mid eighties, seven percent, you're backing down. You know, you're starting to get into the high seventies again. That's still that's a, yeah okay yeah it's still hell and gone from where it was. If you'd hung on to it, you're still doing all right. Yeah. Now, one of the the nice things about it, uh, at least something that has been gaining surprisingly and steadily, of all things, and I was so surprised by this from this report, was the MK. What is it? MK one. The the Mark one Miatas. Yeah. And uh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, but if you if you knew history on Miatas, Miatas came about because it was uh, Mazda taking a stab, taking its its shot at mimicking the original British roadsters, but doing so in a reliable platform that yeah. ran. You didn't have to have tools and a jumpsuit in the back to work on it wherever you were. And yeah. You know, it, Miatas kind of get a bad rap. They're a great driving little car. They're efficient. I did test drive one. This was several years ago. And you know what? It was awfully fun. If you want a basic, fun little roadster yeah. that doesn't cost much to operate, you could do a lot worse than a first-gen Miata. And they're up like 8 9%. Yeah. You know, in the same matter of months. So. Well, and the, and the great thing is, grab one now. They're still cheap. They're and, still really cheap. And not to make the Ferrari people feel bad, a 56 Ferrari 290mm Sold for $22 million that this MM week at RM Amelia and the man. That's multi-million. Yeah, but did, did you see a picture of it? They're art. Uh, it's awfully pretty. Yes, it, it is. It is pretty. Now, speaking of pretty, there's something kind of close to your heart that's starting to be made again. Kind of. Kind yeah, of. Well, we keep seeing conflicting reports come out about this. We're supposed to be seeing a new Bronco. and Nice. We've seen... Uh, uh, silhouettes of it, and it looks a lot like the first gen Broncos did yeah, two door. Yeah. And it, the, oh. Ford keeps saying it's going to be a direct competitor for the Wrangler, but I also keep hinting it's going to be a four door. What? Yeah, that's not that's a Bronco. A, that's an SUV. That's another SUV. It's another Ford Explorer. Aww. It's another something like that. And I've been hanging on to my Bronco thinking eventually I could trade that on a new one. Not going to do it. Well, with any luck, they'll bring out a four-door Mustang, too. What? Uh, what? <laughs> no! Why? Sacrilege blasphemy! No. There'll be torches at the gate and a uh, bunch of yeah. chunky dudes like us going, ah! I'll be at the front of that, <laughs> of that crowd. Pitchfork um, and tire irons. Also, uh, another new car possibly coming out. We'll have to see if this happens. There's a Russian firm called Aviar. Okay. And they're considering building a high-tech electric vehicle styled like a 67 Mustang. Really? Yeah. Now, when you say styled like, is it going to be a 
a Aviar's version of a 67 Mustang? The renderings look a, amazingly close to a 67 Stang. Or is fastback. it just like, we, we kind of, you know, we look like Mustang, but it's not Mustang. No, we are going to make It's good. good. It's very good. It's good. You like. You buy. Uh, the renderings look fantastic, and it's one of the few times I would say this out loud. I'd consider buying an electric car. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put that onto my cell phone. As a ringtone, I and can, I'm just going to loop it at night. I'd consider it. I cannot believe you just said that. I would consider it. After some of the heated discussions we've had outside of the mic about the, about uh, electric cars, especially like when Aston Martin was uh, looking to put that undercarriage yeah. in, and a removable undercarriage, my yes. dude. You can reverse it, Yes, which I think is just cool as the dickens. Yeah. You're not the biggest fan. I'm not a fan of hybrid cars either. We've got so much coming up this hour. Pedwatt's coming up next. That's a person you'll definitely like, and his photography is amazing. We're going to talk to him about how he got into it and, the, and the vehicles. The man is a stud. you gotta, you got to give it up where it's due. You might even learn about how to take pictures of races. It's so cool. Coming up next on Road Muscle Radio. With more Road Muscle Radio, we've got a really interesting guest with us tonight, Mark, a guy who's uh, been making my job for my website a little bit easier of late. You know what he does? He gives every brag that you have power because oh, no he- pictures, no proof. Works for parties. Absolutely. Pretty girls and great cars. He does. And all the stuff that I've said about my cars is relatively true, but he made them look so much better. <laughs> it's Makes me not only sound like I'm not a liar, but like I'm kind of understating things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the pictures, uh, what was a while back that he'd taken of your beloved vet, were like, oh, my God, they're just so crispy, and they're and they're set right, and the lighting is, and how come I can never do any of oh, that? that, that all why, looks- am I, why am I so incapable? Why am I not worthy? Why are you incapable? Why am I incapable? Got I, a good eye. I take 20,000 pictures a year, and they all look the same. They never they, get any better. They work. They you know, they do their job. However, when the job is to be beautiful, I, I think your guest is is the dude. Well, I don't know that he's beautiful, but his work certainly is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shut up. <laughs> Ped Watt, welcome to Road Muscle. Hi, Ped. <laughs> thank you guys for having me on. This is... Thank you, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So, Ped... Uh, how did you get into, well, before we go that far, what was your first car? It was a A6 Jaguar XJS. My parents made the mistake of giving me $3,000 in carte blanche buying anything. Uh, and you picked a Jaguar? Well, yeah. What else would you buy? Was it the late 80s? It was the A6. It was tan, yeah. unfortunately. But the hood What's forever. unfortunate about that? I mean, come on. It's an 80s Jag. Of course it's tan. The inside was camel. Okay, yeah. so you did you you managed to look cool cheap, which is not always an easy feat to pull off. Now, how was the uh, how was the electric system in it? I mean, did, did you have the ghosts like most people did? Lucas. I don't think there was any electrics in it. Uh, everything, <laughs> everything was broke. The speedometer... The radio, the windows, nothing worked. Uh, so once once, we, once again, we come back to the Lucas Demon and the Lucas motto, be home before dark. Well, that's it. Like my brother bought uh, an 80s uh, Jag. It was the, uh, what was it? 
what hot he high energy 12 cylinder had to have it all the uh, two of the cylinders were burnt yeah right he, so he paid enough money he bought it for like two grand and, and he paid enough money he put 14 grand into that engine it that he that v12 uh-huh. you raise the hood and underneath it looks like two handfuls of spaghetti <laughs> Absolutely, it was amazing it is a wiring nightmare when it ran it was really cool so when it which, ran, which day of the month was that? Yeah, it was any any day with a oh my god, please uh-huh. at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, he ended up selling it for two thousand dollars. He dropped probably eighteen to twenty in that thing, and he got so damn mad that he finally said, "You know what? You're out." Your You're- brother had been better off just going out and throwing his money in the street. I told him to drop a crate three fifty in it, and he oh. thought I was so plebeian. That's actually really popular right now. It's there is, viral. and there's a company that does that, and it's called John's Broken Kitty. <laughs> My hand to God is called John's Broken Kitty, and they do they do Chevy V8 uh, transplants on Jaguars. So, eighty six ten kind of Jag XJS, and you're how old? Sixteen. Oh, nice, Lord. nice. The ladies, yeah. So, hey, girls, it's almost running. It, it was it was tan. No, it was so bad. Every no, every Friday before I went out, I just rewired the fuel pump. Just assumed it had to be done. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. I, I, I think I would look for a different setup. That's a yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, cool. You had a cool car. So, your your first car was a Jaguar. How about your favorite car? What have you owned? What did you love most that you've owned? I had um. I had a 03 Mercedes CLK and absolutely loved it. Um, it would play in traffic. It was quick. It was that fire engine red. It stood out. It was just a lot of fun. Cool. And how about uh, favorite car you've shot? Oh, I shot a... Um, and and the, with the caveat of vintage and modern. What's the favorite old car, favorite new car? Uh, favorite new car is easy. There's a, a Lamborghini Murciago. Uh, uh, wide body in Tulsa I've shot twice and that was absolutely fantastic it's carbon wrapped and last time I shot it he put pink flames on it oh. out of this world pink flames can you imagine the contrast yes yeah you didn't have to photoshop that at all it just blew up right in the picture yeah Our- and unfortunately I'm gonna hurt one of my favorite clients this feelings here my favorite vintage car is a early 70s Citroen DS wagon because it's weird, you don't see them. Now that's not the one we saw down at Lake Garnett. Uh, no, same owner though. The, that he had his two uh, CV at Lake Garnett. Yeah, painted like it was John Deere tractor green with yellow pinstripes. You couldn't believe how this thing stood out, and probably well, to my eye, not in a good way. I know you like it. Oh, oh look at that thing! It looks now is. The one that you're talking about, is it the kind of really kind of smooth one or the super humpy, I wanted to be a Kubelwagen, but just didn't have the guts to do it one? I'm looking at a couple of these Citrons here on this screen and, uh, oh, it's this kind of smooth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That looks like one of those early aero cars from the 1940s when they were building them that kind of look like a a fuselage. Well, it looked like an early Chrysler Airflow. Yeah. 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 Except that one's part mouse. (laughs) <laughs> the front end is just it's it should be eating fromage that's so, kind of awesome so you're not a photographer uh professionally as that's not your day job but for a guy who does it on the side you're impossibly good at it and i have to say that because you made my cars look so great what got you into photography 
this happened chance. I bought my wife a camera for graduating college, and then I stole it. And it's been a 12 years obsession ever since. No kidding. Yeah. Um, so I started with flowers and evolved. Um, I wanted to do race car and couldn't afford it. So I went to the track, took pictures, fell in love. Uh, did that for about 11 years, motocross, all the way up WEC, Lone Star Le Mans. And then about a year and a half ago, I decided to stop chasing running cars. They kept trying to run me over and start shooting stuff holding still. There's a story there. There's stories. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Extreme close-up. Yeah. First, first holy crap, he's going to run me over story. I was uh, shooting Pro Mod, uh, Dragsters. And I was shooting the guy coming at me. I dropped my camera, spin to shoot him going away from me, and he hit the wall about two feet away from me, <laughs> in, ahead of me. Showered me in the parts. In parts, I went home for the night. <laughs> oh, dude! Yeah, no, re- no real damages, some bruises and scrapes. Did you get some great pictures from it though? The the stuff flying. No, out? I was, or was all, it too busy screaming like too, a girl. Too, too busy screaming and ducking for cover. Good man. Good did man. You, <laughs> did you buy new underwear? I did. I, I absolutely and new pants and new car seat. Oh wow! <laughs> that had to have been terrifying. So you had an attraction to cars beforehand and racing. It sounds like particularly. Um, what are the differences between shoot, what you would do uh, shooting a race and shooting still photography? What's the difference in prep? Um, so with race photography, you spend a lot of time studying um, Google Maps, so forth, studying the race course, figuring out the corners, the raises, the drops, um, and trying to figure out where the sh- where the true action on the track. Where's your passing? Where's your fast? Where's your hard corners? So you can get all that tilt. Um, the background's important, but you don't have nearly the control. It's more about the individual story of the car on the track. Um, that uh, I just wrote that down because I wanted to make sure I, I tap back on that tilt. The, that's the type of thought process for a photographer, for an action uh, sequence. It's not just catching the vehicle on the track going zoom and with the background maybe blurred, but it's actually getting some of the tilt from the G so that it, it makes it makes more action in the still. So um, with motorsports, you've got to do everything you can to convey this massive amount of speed and engineering right. um, into a still image. So you've got to find that spot in the course where or not the guy's going five miles an hour or 100 miles an hour that makes him look like he's going 300 miles an hour sideways and winning. Gotcha. That's, the, that's the, in my opinion, the true goal of motorsport photography is to tell us like that, this amazing moment of that guy has been you know, working all week to get to the track and he's doing his thing that he loves and you're showing it in the way that really brings that out. Nice. So... But what is your preparation for still photography, what we've seen of you? So still photography, um, you it becomes a lot more about the background and the story of the individual car. So, uh, for example, it wouldn't make sense to put a race car, say, on a gravel road. So you've got to study the history, the dynamics, the heritage of each car, the storyline and the narrative of the body lines, and make sure you're building a scene and a story that matches and brings out that element. So, like, when we shot your Impala, we went and shot um, on a bridge that had a lot, a lot of repeating lines. That's actually a really popular spot to shoot, but it didn't work as well for that car as moving actually under the bridge and getting in the columns that really brought out all the details and reinforced the lines on the car. 
You know, going that fast with uh, vehicles moving that quickly, is there a, a special speed, special lens that you use? Or is it just like, oh, my God, I happen to get it right then? Or do you take a billion shots and hope one works? I mean, how does that really work? Come on. Um, honestly, there's you hit it both ways. There's two major approaches. You know, there's the shoot in the dark or there's the lenses. Personally, I believe in waiting on the action and taking the picture at the moment. Uh, I may take a burst of three, um, but really – you really need to understand the sport that you're shooting so you know where the action is, where the important shot is, and not try to guess your way through it or you'll take 20000 a year and not get anything. <laughs> he just oh, pointed at somebody man. in the studio that and freaking, it wasn't me. That freaking hurt. <laughs> hey, out of my 20000 I'll have you know a good five or 600 wind up in a magazine. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have a choice? <laughs> oh, this is going to be good next. Wow. Pedwatt with Watt Design Photography. If you go to wattdesignphotography.com, that's W-A-T-T designphotography.com, you can check out a boatload of the pictures and then all these events that he's been involved in, his portfolio. And you can also find out how you could get Pedwatt to come out and photograph your vehicles and perhaps even your event. We're going to talk more about that and we're going to weasel some tips out of him for how to make our shots maybe look kind of better, gooder almost as good as Peds. We'll see if we can get that out of him next in Road Muscle Radio. We're back with Road Muscle Radio, where your host is a freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, <laughs> Brett Hatfield. Would you believe that's like the eighth <laughs> time I've done that? And you know what? We're going to let it roll. Doesn't John Leguizamo do that on his one-man shows, Red Editor? <laughs> well, I was going to say that I'm the 30-year vet of radio, but nobody's going to believe that. Oh, I believe uh, it. <laughs> I'm an author and destroyer of Nutter Butters, uh, Catfish Groves. And our special guest, let's get to Ped. Uh, special guest is Ped Watt of Ped Watt Design Photography. Uh, you got to go online and check out uh, check out the pictures because they're just amazing. Of, of his uh, pet, it's what design photography, what design photography.com. And, uh, and oh my God, what design you have there, Ped. So, the thing I wanted to get to because they look so great, you know, if you're going to stage your own car, you want to you take some pictures of your own car because I, I got two that I kind of plan on looking at this week. Please, God, let that one not be a cheesy joke. But, um, are you talking about the caddy? No, no, I'm talking about the 68 New Yorker no, no, with the no. 440. Think, I think that New Yorker looks like a good deal. I just thought if you went out went out and looked at the 61 Caddy that you ought to take, you know, yeah. some <laughs> kind of my shots yeah, and you, yeah. You take a 22 with a varmint load in it. Yeah, and a hazmat. Um when when you're you've got your own vehicle, what should you do? I mean, where should you park it? Are there angles? What would you recommend to a dude like me who knows jack about photography? So if, if so, if you really don't have any background to go with it, well, I, step one I do when I research a new car is I really study the sales brochures if I can locate them for the car. Wow! Because that really tells you what the brand feels is important about the car. I you know, would have never thought of that. That's a great idea. Go look at the old brochures, and there's so many online now. Oh yeah, that they're easy to find. Yeah, they're they're really easy to find. Uh, a lot of times you can find other photographers, but if it's something obscure. 
you can always sign, find the sales brochures online. You can sell um, and find people that take pictures of their own car, and you'll kind of get the history of what people actually value in the car. You know, if they're all taking pictures of the headlight, there's something weird about that headlight. You need to learn more. Right. So it, let's say I, I've looked all this, I've done my kind of background. Where, like around KC, would you would you think is a halfway decent place? Uh, and and mood wise, let's say I'm in a, I'm in a country mood. I've got a touring car. So in a tur- touring car, I would um, honestly I would just head out in the country, uh, take probably 35 south, and take the first find the first dirt road road and pull over and buy a field and start taking pictures. Um, now don't pull into the field. There's yeah, they, they seem to frown on that. And, you know, buckshot scars yeah, on the something about rock salt. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. it just doesn't really add to the patina. Yeah, this doesn't add to your car. Um, but if you're in a more sporty car, you could go. You could even shoot down in power and light early on a Sunday morning or Westport if you've got something that's really shiny. You want a rough background. There's a lot of options around Kansas City. The main thing is to get out and explore. And if you're even if you're going somewhere that's highly shot like Westport. If you explore long enough, you'll find an area that's not shot as much mm-hmm. uh, because everybody's going to where everybody else went. What about lighting? I mean, uh, should you should you have the sun behind you pointing at the car, or does it matter? Um, lighting absolutely matters, and it really goes matters what you're going for. Um, so with, like, Brett's car, we actually backlit it, and then we brought in strobes to light it up. Oh, um, so, and if you don't have strobes and you really want a certain background, um, the main thing you have to remember is you want to expose for your subject. If you blow out your background, it's not really liked in the community, but it's better than having an underexposed subject because that's what your true story is. You know, they've got some of those cameras out there that will take three different pictures all at the same time. Like it's got the three lenses thingies. Uh, I just saw your reaction. <laughs> Remember, you're working with plebeians. You're working with camera point click good. So, so, so what you're talking about? What you're talking about is high de- uh, high dynamic range imagery. It's a technique that was actually de- designed to um, improve 3D movies. Um, the problem of HDR is actually it's a beautiful technique that gives you a lot more details in your shadows and your highlights and balances your image better. But the dangerous side of it is really easy to overdo your contrast and saturation and destroy an image. Uh, you actually see it a lot more with newer photographers, and then they kind of balance out with time. Um, I highly recommend learning HDR. Uh, most of the images on my site are very selectively built HDR images, actually. Nice. When you're shooting for somebody else, how does the owner and the car history impact what you're shooting so if if um for example i shot a 67 firebird a couple weeks ago that was all uh, customized out by the owner it was his first car we had quite a few co- uh, conversations about why what customizations he did why he did them so we can incorporate that into the narrative and story of the car uh, this particular one had some really cool fender flares on it so we made sure that we captured those lines and accented those lines because he hand laid those so this makes sure that you that you take the time to understand the history, the personal history, along with the corporate history of the car to really bring out what the owner likes in their vehicle. Well, looking through your website, uh, you've got all these great pictures of vehicles. Uh, they've got great pictures of vehicles on readthedriven.com oh, yeah. uh, from, uh, from some of the events. And then, of course, 
No, your Pe- cars. <laughs> Ped's made this a real easy week for me on the Driven. Uh, I've just been putting his stuff up and then, you know, putting my feet up. Look at the Driven.com. So w- on your website, Ped, the, you've got all these events, and I think it's just the coolest thing. I'm looking at uh, uh, the Post Oak Lodge Challenge, which is, is uh, you know, jogging and cross-country running and capturing these moments and the lighting there. Uh is this part of the the bigger plan? You know, not just vehicles, but anything that has movement and moves you? So really, um, what design photography, we shoot anything um, within reason. Our, our primary focus is automotive photography. But when you think about photography, if we go to the core goal of photography, it's capturing and controlling light. So the more different genres that we wander into, the more we learn about light, how it reacts with different textures and skins and backlighting and so forth. And so by shooting a wide range uh, from portraits to cross-country running and so forth, we learn more about how light reacts. A good example of that is I learned how to shoot night motocross by learning how to shoot a full moon because you have to learn – you have to be more intentional about reflective light instead of directional light. And it it, it all ties together because photography is just light. It's just, that's all it is. And they probably frown on you using your strobes right in the middle of a jump. <laughs> you think? Just a little. I, I got uh, one track actually trained to let me use my strobes. The rest of the time they want you to use the overhead lights, which are yeah. horrible. And if you don't learn to read the light, the more importantly, learn to read the shadows, which tells you where the light truly is coming from. Um, then you'll never succeed at night photography, especially with action. So the idea is capture and control light and then threaten it and its family. I'm in. I got it. I'll break out my Photoshop and say, look at what I'm going to do to you if you don't work (laughs) right for me. So what's your favorite thing about automotive photography? Why automotive? Um, So I've always had a strong love of cars, and automotive photography has given me the chance to interact with some amazing car owners. And they're unique cars. Um, I got to shoot the second ZR1 Corvette in the state of Oklahoma. Like I mentioned earlier, I've got to uh, shoot some Citroëns. I've got to shoot a really wide, very unique set of cars that gives me access. I normally wouldn't have access to um, some really high-end, rare cars. Plus, I got to shoot, like I mentioned earlier, the WC Lone Star Le Mans a couple years ago, which was just an absolute dream. And I actually got to shoot last year that Porsche and Audi went head-to-head with each other and stand in the Audi garage while they were racing and shoot the pit crews and interact with the pit crews. It was absolutely amazing. So is there anything you won't shoot? I just set this one up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that one's really easy. I have a a very solid rule. Um, The person has to be clothed. That's pretty much the only thing I won't shoot. Nice. Okay. Wow, and I, I was waiting for 63 Impala convertible. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I, I'm willing to shoot your 63 as long as there's like a $15,000 check. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, that's half the value of the car or okay. more. Okay, I'll take the Corvette, you keep the Impala, and I'll shoot the Impala. I don't, I don't think it's going to work out that way, dude. Okay, so we got one last question. I've been sitting on this, did not want to get to it, but... Yeah. How do you race your way out of a speeding ticket, Pedwat? Ah, uh, so you're 16. Is you the, is the statute of limitations up on this? Um, I'm pretty sure the state of Oklahoma knows about this one. So you're 16. Your buddy calls you at two o'clock. Um, he's 10 miles away and in trouble, and you get pulled over on the way, and you get a young highway patrolman. 
that thinks he can outrun your V12 Jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know how the story ends. I I do, but nobody else does. That's why I'm picking on you. (laughs) (laughs) This is, say, uh, a V12 Jaguar at the time would outrun a Oklahoma Cruiser that wasn't using a radio, and I didn't get the ticket. You're kidding me. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's hope that state of Oklahoma isn't still looking for you. Uh, one last piece of advice. Anything you would tell somebody who wants to take great pictures of their car but doesn't have your body of knowledge? Um, this, I, I tell everyone the same thing. Um, it comes down to understanding light. And buying knowledge. If you don't know something, the fastest way to learn photography is not go to YouTube. It's to find a pro and buy knowledge. So have a pro come out, take a look at what you're doing, either help you set up or just have him shoot it and watch. Have have him shoot and watch. Or um, a lot of times I actually have other photographers come out and assist me. Instead of being paid, they get to come to the shoot. um, And I answer questions and walk them through everything I'm doing. And so they're paying me with their time. I'm paying them with a knowledge base. And we just got your knowledge free. Ped, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, find out how to put the cool and the quiet into your favorite ride. Tim McCarthy from Hushmat is on the way on Road Muscle Radio. It's Road Muscle Radio, where we talk about vehicles, cars, oh. trucks, vans, I don't care. And stuff we can do to them. Oh, this is this is the cool part. And I know that you have something close to your heart that I think this is going to be able to coat and make not too hot and not too cold. Well, and, I got several things that I would like to, I, to, to apply this to. Well, I'm thinking of a Bronco with a giant stereo in it. I'm thinking of a 409 with a little bit of rumble to it. I'm even thinking of an old Corvette that I'm about to tear the carpet out of and replace. Well, you know, I got to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Tanya Blaine Vernon, because she's the one who hooked it all up and has made uh, this this next part possible. Then we owe Tanya a so big Tanya, thank you. <laughs> thank you, girl. Uh, we have with us from Hushmat, Tim McCarthy. Tim, you are uh, a progenitor. You're one of the, you, you started uh, this company. I did. I did. And what Hushmat, and and I'm going to boil it down for people like me, and then you can make it sound smart. Uh, Hushmat basically is stuff that you put into the vehicle, one, to make it not too hot, not too cold, and not too noisy. That, that's exactly right. The product is applied, and it reduces noise and reduces heat in the summertime. It keeps it warmer in the wintertime. Now, you helped. Well, you helped. You were part of making this this stuff happen. What? What was it that made you go, I really want to, I want to spend a good chunk of my life making stuff that makes things quieter. You know, I love cars and I've always loved cars. I'm passionate about it. And for years we were in the manufacturing business for product and we made sealants, basically sealants for all industrial applications. And one day we had the idea to put together aluminum foil and butyl rubber and voila, we created constrained layer damping. For the automotive industry. Now, was that an accident or had you spent a bunch of time being all smart and engineering on it? I think we got to really give credit to the guys overseas that brought the uh, uh, the Lexus to the United States. I mean, that really brought acoustics and sound quality into the automotive industry. And that was in the late 1980s. Right. So we were sealant manufacturers. We made really good adhesives at that time. 
And the Lexus drove the North American industry to say, whoa, wait a minute. It's not just sealants. we got to make this car quiet now. And we had some technology that we put together. And uh, I would say a fair amount of it is luck. It's just, you know, putting all different materials together and trying to find that solution. And we were the lucky enough, lucky ones to do it. So if I took this hush mat and I wrapped my next door neighbor's kid's car in it, would I not be able to hear his woofers? Uh, you, it would significantly reduce the outside uh, noise. Like, you may be taking all my money. You know, so, most people, <laughs> if you're going to vandalize something, it used to be just throwing toilet paper into trees. Now you're talking about wrapping somebody's uh-huh. hush mat and the whole thing. Here you go, Junior. I'll leave a little space so we can see so we can still drive. Cause... Are, are you buying beer? I'll come help. <laughs> We're done. Now, this stuff is the coolest thing. I'm, I'm holding a, a piece. You brought some samples of this hush mat. And we were talking while we got some coffee before we uh, turned on the mics here. Um I was expecting something completely different. Uh, when talking about Hushmat and it insulates sound and this and that, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to take a quarter inch of foam and there's going to be another six inches of memory foam and a bunch of glue. And this is so thin. It's, it's the aluminum that you talked about on top of butyl rubber. That's right. Butyl rubber, beautiful rubber. And it's sticky as all get out. And these, uh, and I have a confession to make. It's so thin. I've already used this on one of my cars. You already knew about this? You didn't explain this to me before we went in so I could say, thank you. God love thank him. You. <laughs> so for the, for the kids in the class who, Ron, you know. Ronda's 1992 Corvette convertible was just loud as it could be going down a highway. And when I put a new interior in it, I had it completely lined with hush mat. And it probably cut interior noise by better than half. I watched your videos uh, on, on uh, hushmat.com about installation and What's also so surprising about this surprisingly thin, very cool product is how easy it went on. It it is the easiest product to install. It's really simple. Peel and stick. You don't have to prep. You don't have to clean. You don't have have to to do any of that. With this product, you literally just peel, you know, remove the carpet, take out the, you know, the old jute floor mat and peel and stick it to the, to the sheet metal or fiberglass or plastic or whatever you're applying it. So let's say it's a car that I'm probably going to buy and afford. So there's probably going to be a little sheen of patina (laughs) rust (laughs) rust uh, inside the doors that you're not going to be able to get in and spray. Would this type of thing be able to get up against? Now we're not talking like rusted through holes. Oh my God. If you can shop, if you can chop back your floors up, yeah, exactly. But it, it'll it'll go on and and adhere. It'll be there for the life of the car. How does it do that? It's oh, a- no, that's a trade secret. Sorry, <laughs> through magic, uh, catfish. It's pure magic. So that that rubber. Oh, we were talking also because I was like, I wonder if I put it in my arm if it take my hairs off. And you said you've got like a limited amount of time. You got about two minutes. After that, the adhesion sets, and it ain't going to be. You'd hair. be pulling hair off your yeah, arm. That's not going to be hair. That's going to be dermis. So it actually sets. It's got this backing paper right now that keeps it from not setting. But once you get it on something, you got two to three minutes to get it all set, get it ready, and then it's there. You can even pull it off within that two minutes. You can oh, remove wow. it and put it back on. So if you put it someplace you're not you're happy where you placed it, peel it back and then reapply it. Wow! But once it's been setting for a couple minutes, it's there for the life of the car. <laughs> It's not made to come off. Hushmat means it, people. And it will, uh, it, like you said, it helped keep your uh, your wife's vet so much more quiet. Oh, are you kidding? I'm I'm a big believer in it, and I'm going to try to figure out if I can weasel Tim into helping me do the inside of that Impala. 
Oh, well, you know, if you go if you go online through hushmat.com, um, you've got all these kits, we do. custom set kits that will help you that are kind of set up and ready to go. It, they are. The number one question you get from the guy who's the enthusiast that wants to make his car quieter or reduce the heat in the summertime or what have you is how much material do I need? And it's the t- first question they ask. And it used to be you can only buy universal kits. Now oh, we yeah. package over 350,000 vehicle kits. God. So that question's answered. And we do every muscle car. We do every early model. We do all the late model 61 trucks. 61 Impala. <laughs> 61 Impala. I, I guarantee you we have the 61 Impala. He does. I already went and looked. I, I, oh, you've I, already I, been there. I already went and looked for both Impalas and the Bronco and the Corvette, and they got kits for all four of them. You just want to buy him beers to see what he can give you in a full package. I know what's about to happen here. I, I was thinking, hey, maybe if I got something that he hasn't seen yet, nah, he's already seen it. Well, the uh, you also brought one of the packages. It's a you can use a little bit. Oh, actually, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, between the hush mat and then another product that is in a sense insulation. It's also for reducing heat. From one I read, Zycote. Zycote. Tell us what is Zycote. Zycote is our latest invention, and and basically Zycote is a direct contact, high temperature thermal dissipation coating. What it does is it enhances the performance of the headers, the manifold, and actually increases horsepower. And it does that by coating the interior of the component and allowing heat to transfer through rather than building up and radiating, which reduces scavenging. For anybody that knows what scavenging is, it's basically the efficiency of gas pulled away from the block, hot gas, and traditional steel or stainless headers or manifolds choke that scavenging because heat builds up, it radiates to the outside, and it prevents the flow of the hot gas through the component. Our product coats the inside and allows that to transfer very, very easily or quicker away from the block. Coats the inside? Yes, sir. I'll be doggone because here I was thinking it was just painting all the, on the outsides and doing this and that. And that helps to get rid of when you're wrapping it with the fiberglasses and the thises and the thats. Would this get rid of the fiberglass, get rid of the shields, reduces weight. It's virtually weightless. Dude, I mean, that's cool. It's a yeah, one it mil thick coating. You spray one it. One mil. One mil thick. Wow. Yeah. I Phenomenal. You, uh, you've got them in different packages. You can buy ounces, you know, uh, from small up to a gallon. A gallon's not cheap. That's right. But. Uh, but a f- it, a four ounce can will do a stock manifold inside and out. Good Lord. <laughs> so for, for 79 bucks, you can coat the inside and outside of a stock manifold. You can go to uh, either one hushmat.com or Zycote, Z-Y-C-O-A-T.com. Tim, thank you so much for joining Great us. Great to be here. Thank guys. you very thank much. Thank you. You bet. And we got to wrap it up. That's I it. mean, that was like, boom, an hour, done, gone. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to us on Road Muscle Radio. Be sure to check out RoadMuscleRadio.com. See us on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. And we'll see you next time down the road on Road Muscle Radio. Yeah.